Welcome back, everybody, to the Innovative Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Stickle. With me, as always, is Stephanie Hurd. Hello. Here with another special guest to talk about innovative, to talk about leadership. Very fitting. Innovative CIO, Tyler Snyder, joins the show. This is an exciting one. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. Uh, Are you excited to be on the show today? How are we feeling? Uh, I won't. Yeah, terrified. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's okay. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna easy into it here. I appreciate it. Take it um, easy on me, guys. If you just want to start by telling people your role at Innovative, what what it looks like in a day to day for you? Sure. So I'm Innovative's Chief Information Officer. Um, I've been in this role unofficially for quite a few years, but officially about the last two years. Day to day for me, uh, I I own Innovative's technology strategy. So day to day, I am working on trying to actually uh, accomplish business objectives through technology. Um, uh, The other hat that I primarily wear is I work with our existing business team. So we support our customers and that's the account managers, that's the sales assistants, uh, and ultimately just try to take really good care of our customers, make sure that we are uh, proposing the correct solutions and ultimately just making sure uh, it's a really good fit and we are helping them, you know, manage their business through technology as well. Gotcha. Well, that's the current, state of affairs for you, but we're going to take you back. We're going to start at the beginning here as we do. It's, it's like how they, they keep remaking uh, Spider-Man movies with their, the origin. We, we bring on our guests. We make them all rehash how they started out. Um, take us back to the beginning. You, you know, you've been at Innovative how long now? It's, it will be 18 years this August. 18 years. So take us back 18 years ago when you applied at Innovative or however you may, you may have gotten the job. We've heard some different stories. Obviously, <laughs> Jason started the thing, so that was a bit different. But um, take us back to, to how you got that job, what the role was, and a little bit in, uh, into your life at that point. Okay. Yeah, you're <laughs> taking me way back. Yeah, so my, my connection to Innovative started through a summer internship that I had uh, at a local company called Direct Mail Processors. Um, and I was there just IT... I, it, it was an internship, but it was just, they let me have a lot of free reign there, which I really appreciated. So just trying to be a motivated 21 year old, just helping to fix whatever issues they had. Uh, but the connection to Innovative came from my manager at the time. She knew uh, Jason and Jason's former business partner. And uh, she came up to me one day and said, hey, I hope you don't mind, but I gave your name to to this guy who's looking to grow his IT company. I think long-term that might be a better fit for you. Um, and so I said, great, thanks. and just assumed I'd never hear anything. But I mean, truly the next day or the or the following day, I had an email from, I believe it was Jason, and he invited me to an interview. Um, and so it was a it was my first interview uh, over a lunch, especially, and they bought me lunch. And pretty much I was done at that point. Like <laughs> you buy me a free lunch and I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'll, I'll do whatever you want. The one thing that's always been consistent with innovative is people love free lunch. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. So that first interview, I mean, it was they did a really good job making me comfortable, but I mean, truly, I, I had only college education and a very little amount of experience at that point. I felt like every question they asked me was just, I poorly answered and just, I assumed after that I would never hear back from them again. Um, but again, they they came back and they wanted to sit down a second time and got another free lunch out of it. So still, it was win-win <laughs> either way. Um, and they offered me the position uh, during that lunch, which was really exciting. And I, I basically accepted it during the lunch and then realized, oh, shoot, I'm about to be married in a couple of months. Maybe I should ask my future spouse <laughs> about, you know, big career shifts like this. Uh, but Jenny was on board and we both agreed that 
I was 21. And if I did make a mistake joining a two person company that I had enough time to, to try and recover. <laughs> um, but looking back, I mean, that's probably one of the top three decisions in my life was joining Innovative. I mean, this company has just been such a blessing and it's been a lot of, a lot of fun watching it grow. Uh, but at that time, my role was systems technician. Systems technician. Yep. All right. So uh, Innovative didn't even have an office at that point. So one of our customers was, uh, was they were generous enough to donate some space in their office where I just went to hang out. And when I say I just went to hang out, like that's truly what it was. It was just me alone on the third floor of this office building. <laughs> um, I think Jim and Jason at that point might have worked out of their garage or basements or wherever. Uh, but my role at that point was just to, to learn and support them. So they would bring me computers for reloads. We were just wiping them clean and getting them ready for deployment. So I was doing that all the time. They would take me out and um, I would shadow them on different types of installs and fixes they were working on so that I could learn. Um, but truly those first couple months, it was just a whirlwind of just trying to get my feet under me and really understand. Um, and one of the things I learned pretty quickly was even though I had a, a, a bachelor's in computer science, you can only go so much on the on the collegiate side and learn. You really need real world experience. And it was a really big gap from even what I had learned to what was real and out out in the world. Um, so it was a lot of a lot of just trying to catch up. But I mean, I was hungry for it. I was motivated. It was so much fun. And um, and yeah, so I mean, by the end of my first year, I mean, I was just pumped up wanting more and just, you know, that, that, that kind of trajectory just kept going for me. You know, I just wanted more engineering, uh, more certifications. I got more involved on the deploying projects and those more complicated things. And, you know, just work from a basic systems technician, I would say, into more a lead engineer and a project engineer and just, it just kind of kept going from there, but that's how it all started at least. Okay. And at that time you were Innovative's first employee, correct? I, I definitely wasn't the first person they hired. I was the first person that stuck around. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take it. Yeah. Um, so really from the beginning, you had this this want to learn and to go out and just, I mean, all the knowledge you could take in, anything you get your hands on, you wanted to, to dive right into it. Um, on the other side of that, how much was that you wanted to kind of grow and lead in the company versus you just wanted to like become really good at your job? I'm yeah. sure there's a balance there. It's not one or the other. But. Yeah. At that point, I definitely was not focused on leadership. It was just more about learning and how can I support our company better, our customers better. Um, I'm not even sure that in the first couple of years, I even really had that in my radar at all. I mean, what's cool about a lot of jobs that you sometimes you just you, you grow into those roles, even if you're not seeking them. Um, so for me on the technical side, you know, after a couple of years, I had a lot more experience. I had a lot of industry certifications. I mean, things that are not easy to get. And, um, and just naturally as new people come in, you know, they're sort of, you're, you're mentoring them all of a sudden you're helping them learn and grow. And so even though I didn't set out to do that, yes, that sort of just happened over time. <laughs> just kind of got thrown right into it, a, especially a little bit. being, a, you know, such a small company to start out and exactly. then obviously, you know, every person, everyone hates to be the new guy, but you, I'm sure you weren't the new guy for too long. I mean, the, the company started to grow after that and it's kind of, come into different iterations. Um, the era we're in right now at Innovate, I'm sure is very different from when you started out. Uh, when did you kind of maybe start to see the, the, the change in maybe your, your ideas of what you wanted to be at this company or maybe just in your professional career as a whole? Yeah, I'm not sure I could give you a year to that on when it happened, um, but you're right. Innovative had changed a lot in just a short couple of years, just by number of people, location. I mean, just things things change quick in the IT industry anyway, and Innovative was certainly you know, no exception to that. Um, 
So I had mentioned mentoring some of the newer employees and just being a, a more lead senior resource. That was kind of my first step into what that looks like. Uh, but really where, where, uh, where my trajectory changed was when Jason wanted to buy out his partner in the business. That was a really big change for Innovative. And it was a year where there was a lot going on where I saw there was a lot on Jason's shoulders. And, um, and it just gave me, it gave me a, a desire to want to step up. And I think part of that was I really wanted to support our CEO who had been my mentor and, and just somebody that I love working with. Uh, but then on the other side of it is, like you said, you're, you're maturing in your career and you start to think about, well, what's a bigger picture? And while I still love what I do and I didn't want to change doing the, the fixing and being that, you know, IT superhero is what I used <laughs> to tell the techs. Um, and that's the first time I really started to say, maybe this could be a good fit for me. You know, I could lead and coach others and really get them to a good place in their careers. And that's just a really fulfilling thing that I've seen a lot of times. So I don't remember what year that was, but that's what was going on in the company when I first wanted to make a push into that. So it was that big change in the company because um, you kind of alluded to a little bit where, you know, you take a job, you're not necessarily going to be thinking about maybe that whole long term there that you mature as a person and then those moments kind of get to you. So when you first got this job at Innovative, did were you thinking at all about the long, long term? I mean, I know you were coming into your 20s out of college, but was there anything in your mind saying, yeah, I could do this long term, I could grow with this company? Was that even a thought when you first got hired? It wasn't a thought, but I mean, if you guys know know me, which I'm sure you do by now, <laughs> I have a very go with the flow personality. I really just like to go wherever things go um, and just hard work and just trying to be a good person in general generally will lead you there. So no, I really wasn't thinking I can really grow with this company, <laughs> but it was just an exciting opportunity. And I really, really wanted to just get in with people who were excited about technology and that were experts in it so that I could learn and, you know, hopefully grow. What advice would you give to somebody in a similar position, you know, early, early in their careers? That's a great time. I think, you know, it sounds like innovative took a chance on you. You took a chance on innovative, you know, what are some things that you would give as advice to somebody that's in that position that's maybe thinking of, hey, this is a startup. I don't really know where this is going. Like, what is it that you saw in Innovative that you're like, I think this is worth taking the chance? Yeah, probably one of the top things I saw was very transparent leadership and just being able to share, here's what we want, here's where we're going. And it's really, really nice to get behind a vision like that. And I feel like that's what Jason and his former business partner had. And it made me really excited to want to get a part of it, to be a part of it as well. Um, and then on, on the other side, it, I think I think something that I really appreciate when we hire n new folks around here is just the ability and just desire just to really want to work hard. Um, you know, it's we, we all want to have a good work-life balance and that's really important. But when you're excited about what you're doing, um, it makes you want to work hard and go the extra mile and just it's, it's so much easier to mentor and shepherd people that just have that work ethic. Um, and I, I feel like that's what I had in, in I was going to say in the early years, I think I still have it now, but um, I, I think, I think that's really, really important to just have that and just want to be here. And it's just, I, I think well, innovative won an award a couple of years ago and I had to get up and do a speech. And I, one of the things that I said was work doesn't always feel like work when you're doing it with passionate and smart, caring individuals, it, it actually becomes really fun. And I felt that, 99% of the time here that just it's a fun place to be and it's fun to work hard and it's easy to work hard when you're you know going to battle with people that you really care about and it's it's just awesome. Nice. 
things. I guess we can go ahead and get into that um, work-life balance, um, maybe dealing with certain stressors throughout your your day or your week or you know any period of time. Um, and we can relate it back to maybe when you first started to come into the, one of these leadership positions. For starters, what was was there a, an official job title you stepped up into, or was it just kind of a natural progression of I have more roles, I have more you know people working under me, or was it an official Hey, you are named to this, and this is your new kind of job description? Yep. So it's the latter. So once once that transition I mentioned uh, with 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 Jason and his former business partner came came to an end, and they they agreed to whatever the terms were. Um, I think one of the first things Jason did was he named me, uh, I believe it was technical operations manager. Um, and really what that meant is I'm in charge of, of the technology and, and basically anyone who's technical in the company. So generally that's about half or so of the staff need to be, you know, in the field, working help desk, whatever it is. Um, and so that's what I became in charge of. And so my first couple of months doing that, we're really just focused on trying to get some things standardized, you know, something as simple as, you know, hey, Ryan, it's your it's your one year anniversary. Do we have a, a template for that? No, we don't. We always, you know, <laughs> we just go fly by the seat of our pants. So just trying to standardize a lot of that stuff and just get organized on, you know, some of the key things. You know, I, I think one of the one of the biggest things I did when I when I got into that role um, is I implemented a ticketing system. So prior to that, Innovative worked off of just a Microsoft suite to manage um, tickets, essentially. So we use tasks within Microsoft Outlook, and that can only take you so far. There's not a lot of reporting on it. Um, it's very, very difficult to utilize, especially when you're out in the field. So we really just needed an application that was going to allow us to manage our service desk a little more efficiently um, and truly be able to log time and just do some things in a better way. Um, and so that was one of the first things we did just to get organized. But I remember it was just a lot of things like that, just trying to get organized, standardized, um, and really just get us to a better place. So what were the, some of the initial, I guess we'll get into challenges. And this can be challenges, like you said, with trying to create processes and standardization in a company that, like you said, was flying by the seat of their pants. Or it could be challenges with suddenly you are, you know, more officially leading people um, maybe kind of delineating where's work going and workflow and um, being, you know, I it's it's a it's almost a bad word on this podcast being a boss of someone. Um, you know, I, I like to more split it into leadership and management. But um, were there challenges that that came with that, or maybe some growing pains? Oh man, tons, tons. <laughs> um, one of the ones that jumped out to me, we actually talked about it today in a different meeting, but it was when you're going from being colleagues to now you're you're managing them. Um, and not everyone takes that very well. Um, I think most people, you know, you have conversations about, hey, we we all agree this is kind of weird, but I mean, these, these are the different roles and responsibilities now, and you work through that. Um, you know, it wasn't that way with everybody. I mean, we definitely had some hurt feelings in there. And I, I think ultimately we left, we lost some people. Um, so that was definitely, and that's not like an overnight change. I mean, it's not like, even though you do have that responsibility and accountability, not everyone just overnight just accepts that and just moves on with their life. Um, so that takes some time to get through that and, you know, find the right rhythm on how to how to be a good boss. And I think you can be a, a good boss and a, and a friend at the same time. But that is definitely that was one of the challenging things uh, initially for me. Now, getting into more of the the innovative side, like I mentioned earlier, innovative has constantly been growing and changing. What were some of the I guess we can start with some of the benefits maybe you've learned from being part of a company 
that was growing, right? Really, as you were growing as a leader. I think some of the benefits of a, a growing company are number one, that they're growing. Um, it's not fun <laughs> to be part of a company that's stale and not going anywhere. So I always viewed that as a really fun thing, you know, to always come in and there was a new challenge, a new something to overcome. Um, and then being in the IT industry, I think makes it almost even worse, not, not worse. <laughs> you guys know what I mean? Um, just because there's more change than normal yeah. industries. Um, so I always looked at that as, as a lot of fun, but at the same time, those same things are those same stressors. You know, there's always something to change. There's always people to hire and new tools and processes. And, and so that makes it really, really challenging at the same time when I, I'm basically learning through this as well. Um, but again, you know, I, I go back to this a lot, but Jason's been my mentor for about 18 years. He's just been a very transparent person. Uh, one of the things I've just had to learn is that I just need to communicate. You know, when I'm feeling a certain way, if I feel like I'm over my head, it's never a bad thing just to raise my hand and say, hey, can I call a timeout? You know, can we talk about this? Or, um, you know, I, I, there's been plenty of times where I've shared with him that I don't think I can meet your expectations on this. Um, and I'm really trying hard to, and I'm just not getting there. Can you, can you help me through that? And it's just, I, I would much rather an employee come to me and communicate something like that, that they're having trouble versus nothing. And then we don't meet a deadline. And then it's just a lot of frustration. And so um, I, I really give him a lot of the credit because I feel like I was able to be open with him and he didn't shoot me down and, you know, didn't reprimand me for doing that. So communication was a huge part for me and I, something I just had to learn. Yeah. I think that's an interesting notion that you can go to your boss and say, Hey, I'm struggling <laughs> Yeah, because like you said, I mean, it's, it, it can be very easy and in some places almost preferred that you just put your head down and you just keep on chugging and you either try or you fail and you better not fail. Um, so I think that open communication and you mentioned um, at the top of, of the transparency and that was, I mean, that was your first interview, the transparency with Jason and leadership here. And that's still something that can be seen today. So I think that's really cool that that's, that's carried over, which kind of leads me into my next point. Now, this was a, a big topic of conversation and really probably should be anytime we're talking innovative um, in our conversation with Alex in a past episode where the core values just are, are <laughs> everything <laughs> for, for, for lack of a better, better word there. I mean, you know, it can be very easy to have core values and they're on a poster somewhere or on a website and that's it. Nobody knows what they are. Nobody cares. Nobody follows them. Whereas the innovative that they, they mean something. So do you want to talk about, I mean, I'm sure you could go on, <laughs> we could probably fill the whole podcast talking about the core values and where they've been implemented and helped you. Um, do you want to talk about maybe where the core values have played a part in kind of the people we, we hire and the manner in which we kind of evaluate them? Yeah, I, I don't think I ever realized that core values were going to be um, as crucial as they are to us today, whenever we first came up with them, we all definitely agree. This is the lens we want to look at everything through, you know, every situation. Um, and I will hear people having conversations and that's one of the things that are brought up, you know, well, what's the core values answer here? Well, it's, we need to do this. Well, then that's the answer. Even if it kind of sucks a little <laughs> bit, that's what we need to do. Um, so it wasn't until the last couple of years when I really started realizing that's, that's more than just a lens to see problems through. Um, we definitely need to look at our, our people through that as well. And I'm sure we'll talk about it in a bit, but I mean, that was a big thing with EOS as we started to go through that, that that became very front and center of how important that is and making sure people are just, they get this stuff and they really want to emphasize this stuff. 
Um, so it's, it's been a huge part of, of what we've, we built here. I just didn't realize it was going to be quite as important as, as it was when we first started this stuff. Yeah. I think it's, it's just crazy how useful it is and how uncommon it is also this. And obviously each business is so different. You know, you can't, you can't paint, paint with a broad brush at all, but you know, for me being a newer employee here and as time goes on, I'm not going to be such a new employee, but just the the ability to to look at somebody and see them as more than a scorecard or a metric and add context to what they're doing and how their life can affect what they're doing the the it's the humanity in all of it i think is what is so cool about being here do you want to talk a bit about how that has played a role in being in a, a position in management as a leader where humanity kind of can play a factor in decision making versus, oh, you you know, there's red on your scorecard. Yeah, well, I mean, I think what you're really talking about is is the type of culture that that we built here over time. And I didn't think of this originally, but that was also a really big reason when I first joined. Because even with two people, you could see it. They they want to have fun, but they want to work hard. And then as we built the company, you continue seeing that in the people that we hire. They're people that are are built very similarly where they want to work hard, but they're guys and girls that you can have fun with and just, you know, have a fun conversation with. And it's the same people that I want to be in the trenches with when things aren't going well because they're, you're going to have each other's back. So I think that's just become really, really important to us as well, especially as we add people on because we want to make sure that someone's going to be a really good fit for the for the culture here. Uh, we've interviewed plenty of people where they have amazing skill sets, but if we don't think they're going to gel well with everybody, sometimes it's hard decisions to not move forward with them, especially when you feel like you need people. I've just learned over time that that will almost always come back to bite you. You got to have somebody <laughs> that fits really, really well here, and hopefully then they're going to be here for a really long time. Do you find that that's something you still struggle with a little bit in the hiring process of this person is technically very great, but... I understand that they might not be the best fit because the right person is everything, right? Is that something you still find you, you can improve on or is, is that just one of those constant things? It's always a challenge. I mean, it's hard to find the perfect person, especially when you feel like you got to have a person, you know, right now or, you know, 30 days ago, you really needed the person. <laughs> um, but again, I go back to, you know, leadership lessons and things like that. Getting the wrong person in here has such a negative impact long term. Um, I don't even want to estimate how much money and time have been lost trying to onboard people that weren't the right fit. It would have been better just to keep, you know, waiting three, four or five months, find the right person. Cause those people are out there. It's just, <laughs> how do you market to them? And, you know, just how do you attract that talent? Um, so slowing down a little bit has always been hard for us, but the times that I've looked back and we've done that, we really do have, you know, the best fits from that process. And sometimes it's not, you know, a long process. Sometimes one just walks in the door. I mean, some of our employees here, like 30 seconds into the interview, in my head, I'm like, this this person is amazing. They will do great work here. Um, you know, I can think of, you know, three or four people, you know, where that's happened for. And that's, those people are still here today. And it's just, sometimes you just know. Yeah. And right. I, I was just going <laughs> to add one quick note. I guess part of that, it probably can be from, from practice, um, like you said, once those core processes kind of click that this is everything we do, um, EOS, I'm sure has helped that as well. You have a really good idea of what's going to work here and what's not. And I think over time, that's probably helped to allow people to just click in your head 30 seconds in. So Agreed. that's pretty cool. I think also one of the things that that generates, like 
that I've seen even in my five years at Innovative, there's such a loyalty that when you have a team that is the right people, they have a loyalty to each other. And it's it's not just like a blind loyalty to the company. Like they truly, they know that if they don't do their job to the best of their ability, that's gonna create pain for somebody else. So they almost, they're not even so much working hard for Innovative as they are working hard for each other because they've built that connection. and. To your point, when you bring the wrong person into that mix, it can just fracture that because, you know, well, if this person doesn't care, why should I care? And then that just spreads so quickly. I remember whenever I first started, I happened to be down in the tech room and I tell this story to customers all the time. Um, I was down in the tech room. It was like 4.55, end of the day, everybody's getting ready to leave to go home. And one of our customers had like a, a serious incident and it wasn't a service coordinator standing up begging and pleading for people to stay and help. It was uh, somebody's raising their hand and saying, all right, well, if you're going to go on site, I'm going to go home and sleep because if if I don't want you to have to work all night, I'll be rested and you ready to call you in. Like, And yes, they were doing that for the customer, but they, like they were doing it for each other. But ultimately that benefited the customer, but they were doing that to help each other out because they didn't want one person to be stuck with that headache. And that's just so cool to watch. Yeah, that's not something that's not something we write policies and procedures on. That's just being part of the family and wanting yep. to take care of your family members. Yep, absolutely. absolutely. It's, it's so amazing to see all, all the things that our team has done. And I think it can be if if you're an outsider, it can be very easy to hear that and think maybe it's a little corny <laughs> or oh, they, these are what are these like a bunch of hippies, they love their job, they love <laughs> each other, it's a big happy family. And I think the reason that we can operate like that is for starters, we've you know been talking about the people here make it work. I think also, particularly with EOS, there is um, there's culture of problem solving and problem solving in a way that just makes sense. Uh, do you want to talk about EOS a little bit and particularly maybe how it relates to the way we meet and solve problems, or just in general in your day to day? how EOS is, has changed and impacted the way we kind of work through those issues. Yeah, well, one of the reasons that I wanted EOS in here as, a, as an operating system for Innovative um, was the simplicity of it. It's breaking down this complicated business that we built, and even though you know we're only at the you know the fifty employee or so mark, it's just complicated in, in every aspect. You know, every department's a little bit different, um, and I just didn't realize it over the years. But it's it's became so different that everybody has different results and different ideas of where we're going. And EOS was the was the potential to simplify uh, a really complicated business, get everyone going in the right direction, and then start relying more on the team. Than any you know individuals to solve problems. So you mentioned problem solving. One of my favorite things about EOS that we're doing now is that we have regular department meetings called L10 meetings, and in each meeting, it, at least the majority of the meeting is based on problem solving. Um, and whereas in a meeting like this, I may have been the one coming in with here's the problem and here's how we're fixing it. Does everyone understand? Um, now it's more of a here's the problem that I see. How do you guys think we can accomplish it? And it's a great leadership lesson because if all I ever do in my career is tell people what the problem is and how we're going to fix it, it never gives anyone else the ability to identify those things um, and then elevate them as well. And so when I watch these meetings happen, it's it just warms my heart that people are putting issues on the list that are things that we see in other areas, working together to come up with the solution for it, 
uh, and then actually making it happen. And sometimes that's happening before it even reaches a leadership level. Um, and it's just amazing to watch that stuff happen. So I think that takes some time to get teams used to that. I don't think it's very natural for people that have been part of an environment where they're just sort of told what to do and just follow orders to now say, hey, I want you guys to collaborate and fix these issues on your own. <laughs> uh, but I think even we've seen over a couple of months just some of the transitions here, you know, how some of these meetings are going and the issues that are being brought up and solved. It, it, it's truly amazing what the team can accomplish if you give them a platform and a rhythm to, to do this stuff. Yeah, you, you had mentioned it gives them a place where they can go and write down the problem. And it reminded me of what our EOS implementer has said many times is a problem well stated is half solved that you can't, you can't solve a problem that's not out there for discussion. And like that alone, even if we don't get the answer, we at least know what they are and that we have to address them at some point. Yeah, it's funny you say that. One of the things, uh, because we do it so much at work here, you know, we, we try to really state the problems well. So oftentimes I find myself in these meetings saying, you know, I'd be solved if, and then whatever it is. And sometimes that follows me home. And then, you know, I'm talking with my family about something and then I either say the, okay, I'm solved or I'd be solved if, and they look at me so weird, like what language are you using? Um, so I have to be careful not to take that too too far home with Sounds me. like some real work-life balance issues, Tyler. <laughs> I think I mentioned it on an earlier episode that I told my husband that we, he needed to set some rocks. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, awesome. a, that's a real serious case there. Um, but yeah, I think I think to, to both of your points, the the platform it allows for problem solving, I think is great. Being someone who did not have a technical background and is still pretty new here, to be able to sit in those meetings and not just be, like you said, told what the issue is and like, okay, we solved it or we didn't. I, I can sit there, I, I, I feel comfortable to ask questions. I feel comfortable to give input, understanding that if I'm wrong, someone can just tell me I'm wrong and it's not the, it's not the end of the world. I think to have that platform to get everyone engaged, I think is just invaluable. I mean, that is so much better than sitting in a meeting and, you know, how the cliche meeting is somebody droning on and everyone sits there, they're checking the clock. Uh, I mean, we have, um, the, all three of us go to the, the sales L10 on Monday mornings and it's the, the fastest 90 minute meeting you'll ever sit in because it's engaging and we're actually <laughs> solving problems and, moving forward on issues. So for me, that that's like the value there is, and like you said, it makes it more fun. Not that it's the most fun thing in the world sitting there talking through sales issues, but I mean, it's, it's kind of interesting to dig into these problems people have because it might affect everybody. And that's I, often, and that's often what we see. Somebody might bring an issue up that I've never even considered. And, and, you know, on, on its surface, we might think, well, it's, it's just one small tweak we need to make over here. But then from your perspective, you might say, well, Actually, that might make a really good article that we need to write and help our customers understand that yes. better. And then as we continue unpacking this stuff, it's 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 bigger than than we thought it was. Now we need to get techs on the same page. And so just it, it really, really helps not only identify the issues, but like thoroughly solve them, not just quick fixes, but truly thoroughly solve them because so many people have input on how this could impact their customers or impact different employees. And we just, we see that all the time with it. So I, I can't say enough good things about the IDS se section uh, of the L10 meetings and how important it is. Yeah, I liked, um, I liked this last week of, there's maybe one issue or two of, you know, hey, I'm out on Friday, something that small, just quick. And then there was, uh, in particular this week, we, we had um, one topic where 
you said, oh, I should probably bring this up the ladder a little bit because this might be a big conversation we need to have about, you know, our service area and some questions we might have about that and um, some big picture stuff that, you know, is has come great because we're growing, but also it's, uh, oh, if somebody didn't bring this to the meeting, we would have no clue and we might have, this might really bite us down the line. So to have that, be, be able to have that broad scope and kind of work through all of it and be able to have <laughs> the other meetings, you know, the other, mm -hmm. you know, beyond department, you know, leadership gets together on certain things. I think that's all, that's all really cool the way it kind of works together. It's great opportunities to get on the same page about everything and then make sure that information is cascaded to everybody. And then that's, that's part of EOS, making sure that everyone is going the exact same direction so that we can not only achieve the goal we want, but hopefully get there much faster because we are all going in the same direction. Yeah. And the other thing that I like about it is you put all these problems on a list and you don't necessarily go down the list top to bottom, you prioritize them, you talk about them in order of what is the most important thing for us to get to today, knowing that we might not get through all of them and knowing that there's only so many hours in the day and we spent our time on the most important things. And if we didn't get to the rest of it, like that, that's just going to have to wait for another meeting. And if more important things keep coming up, then maybe those things aren't as important as what we thought they were. We'll get to them over time. Um, am I correct that you were the one that brought EOS to Innovative? Yeah, I was at a peer group meeting in 2019. It was my first in-person peer group meeting. Um, and somebody was just going on and on about EOS. And I had no idea what they were talking about. So I, I looked the other day. I have a little notebook that I carry around. I just wrote, what is EOS? <laughs> <laughs> um, and I looked it up, I think, maybe on the on the flight back and, and got the first traction book to read through it. Um, and I tore through that. I mean, it was just every page of it was like speaking directly to me, like, yes, that's the problem we have. I see that you have a solution for it. And like I mentioned earlier, it was an opportunity to, to simplify, get everyone on the same page and make sure people are doing things all in the same way. Um, and so I remember bringing it to, to a leadership meeting soon after and just explaining what I had learned about it. Um, and I think leadership all decided to read the book like in the next 30 days, which, you know, is another great thing about innovative that when you're really passionate about something, people tend to, to get on board very, very quickly. Um, and once everyone read the book, I mean, we were kind of hooked. We knew we wanted to get there. It was just a matter of how do we get there? Do we do it by ourselves, which is how we started, which I think is perfectly fine. And a lot of companies implement it that way. Um, and we took it pretty far on our own, but, you know, we did identify that we wanted to, to get some more professional, you know, outside help to get us the rest of the way there, which is the, the path that we took. And I, I would do it the same way again. I mean, I, I think it's done amazing things for our company. Absolutely. You mentioned that this came out of your peer group. Can you talk a little bit about that and the, the value in your leadership journey of having a peer group to go to? Yeah, this has been significant for me. So uh, peer groups exist in our in a lot of industries, I guess, but uh, specifically for us, it's a group of MSPs that are not competitors. So that means we're all geographically spaced out pretty well. Um, and then the format that we're in is twice a year, we actually physically get in person, you know, face to face, which is really, really nice. Uh, and then we at least have monthly virtual meetings together, but it's essentially you're meeting with people in the exact same role. So they have different divisions of these groups. Um, and so I'm in the COO group and it's, it's a bunch of people with the same title and, you know, generally we all have the same challenges and the same things we're dealing with. And I can't tell you how many problems we've solved just by being part of a group and just having a network of people that are just resources, you know, so, and we all use different tools and solutions. There's some overlap in there. Uh, but in general, it's a group of people that I can go to with pretty much any problem I'm facing. 
and know that someone's been there and they can help me through it. Uh, and then it's also fun to then be able to give back, you know, when someone's having the same problem that you already got through, it's, it's a great feeling to say, I know exactly what you need to do <laughs> or exactly who you need to talk to. I think it's good to get you kind of out of your vacuum also. Um, cause as great as we want to talk up innovative, you, you don't, you want to get out of that box a little bit. You want to be able to talk to other people because there might be somebody, like you said, they might be doing something better than we are and we want to maybe adopt that. And, you know, there might be somebody who's struggling with something and it could be something we work through, could offer advice on, or you might talk to somebody and it's something they're dealing with. And then something clicks in your head. You go, oh, we, we kind of deal with the same thing, but it never really occurred to me that it was that big of an issue, but this person's bringing it up. So maybe I should look into that. I think all that perspective is super useful. And, you know, even, you know, I have a peer group with other content people that alone, I mean, that's has nothing to do with any type of leadership. That's just people doing their, you know, working our jobs. And the, the issues I see there are really eye opening to know that, oh, they're going through this. And it couldn't be further from <laughs> what I'm dealing with here. You know, like I have a great culture here and I have value I can bring to that meeting, even though those people are doing their jobs years longer than I have. And it's, it's funny talking to somebody and trying to convince them to convince their <laughs> leadership to get buy into what they're doing. But yeah, I mean, there's so much value to, to get out of your bubble. Yeah, that's it's great. Great really perspective. Cool. Uh, companies in all all shapes and sizes. Some are, you know, acquiring. Some are being acquired and going through that. Um, you know, it, we all deal with a lot of the same challenges. So it's just nice having sounding boards to bounce stuff off of. And it, it yes, it has been phenomenal. I, I definitely recommend that. Um, I wanted to get into a little bit, and we've I think we've touched on it a couple times, kind of outside of. The, the EOS model, this is on a more personal level of being in a leadership position. You have people under you who are dealing with all sorts of things every single day, um, but you yourself are going to have your own stressors in your job. How do you cope with that? And how do you, at the very least, prevent it from trickling down to the people you're working with so that doesn't necessarily affect them? Yeah, I mean, you're right. Work-life balance is definitely challenging for for many of us. And, you know, I think when you become a manager and a leader of people, you have to keep that in check. I have always tried to really rely on on the team and, and make sure it's not just me. So just like we talked about in the EOS format, personally, I've never been shy just to say in a meeting, I don't know. I don't know what to do here um, and try to get engagement and collaboration from other people. Um, and so one of the ways that I try and keep that in balance is to make sure that's just how I'm running things in general, is just to use that collaboration. I know I'm not the best at everything. And so I try to leverage the people that are around me and everybody's strengths to come together and, you know, ultimately solve something. Um, but other than that, uh, the biggest thing I, I try to make sure I, I give people is just time. I, I want to make sure that I have plenty of time to coach people and teach. Um, teaching and training is one of my favorite things to do in general here at Innovative. Um, I enjoy it going through, you know, deep technical things or whatever it is. So I really enjoy getting to do that. And so we actually make it a point weekly to still get together and do that, which continues to elevate people, which means they probably don't need me quite as much because hopefully we'll be, you know, building lots of experts all around us. Yeah. You mentioned um, just being honest with people. And if you don't know, you don't know. Uh, that transparency really plays a role in kind of how this whole company operates, I feel like. And, you know, we even mentioned it earlier in our company meetings. Uh, I've I've talked with multiple coworkers before a company meeting, 
and they just go on about, I can't believe how honest they are about our goals and what we're doing and how we've been doing and how open they are with numbers. Just the, the, the whole idea that you can talk to your employees and tell them exactly what's going on and they'll, they'll receive it and still want to do their job, basically. Do you want to talk a bit about the value it brings and not just a company meeting, but overall being transparent with the company's goals to, to everybody? Yeah, it's, it's hard for me to imagine not being transparent after being around it for so many years, but, you know, hiding things and having secret objectives. Like, I, I just can't even understand how, how you can <laughs> succeed with that stuff. But um, I can think of so many times when, because of the transparency given, problems got solved quicker, people came to a, a good, clear understanding faster. I mean, one of the, one of the stories that jumps out for me is, um, I couldn't tell you what year this was, but... Uh, we use a pretty expensive remote support tool because it works really, really well and our team likes it and it never lets us down. It's always stays connected, but every single license for it is crazy expensive. So every time we would need to add a license, that's a really big budget ask. Um, and we got to a point where we just knew we couldn't afford another license for it. And we almost had this disconnect between parts of our team that are just saying, you know, why isn't leadership giving us, you know, what we need? You know, they don't know what we're going through. And on the other side, the people who were more in tune with the finances knew that we couldn't, you know, afford this stuff. And so um, what Jason decided to do is at our, I don't know if it was our next company meeting. I think it was just a technical meeting. He showed up and said, I want to show you guys uh, the books. And he opened up QuickBooks and he took us through some of, some of the people's first P&L that they've ever gone through in their lives and just showed them every step of the way, you know, wow. where things are at. Um, and Jason was just not afraid to do that because he understands that you have to be open and honest with people because we want their buy-in, right? We want people to, to really work hard and we want them to all help us achieve, you know, these goals that we've set out. And so after going through that, I mean, I'm sure some people were still frustrated. They couldn't have the thing that they want, but there was a better understanding about why we couldn't do it right now. And that's truly what it was. It's just a not right now. But getting people on the same page was a really, really big help. Uh, and then ultimately, I feel like it got people more aligned and on the same page. Um, and then I think we were actually able to make the purchase much sooner because of that. And then everyone was aligned with trying to get us what we needed to, which probably was just more revenue at some point. But people were jumping in and helping us achieve that, which ultimately got what we needed. If I had a, a business leader in this room who said to you, if I am honest with my employees, they will turn on me. <laughs> what would you say to that person? It's a scary thought, I know, but it probably means that you don't have the right people in the right seats. And that's also a scary thing to tackle. But I mean, I can say from having going, gone through this over the years, um, you won't regret you know, making those choices and being honest and making sure you've got the right people and they're aligned with your core values. Um, again, scary along the way, but just long-term, can you imagine the peace you have when you have all the right people and you're all on the bus together and you're all going the right direction together? It's just such a peace of mind. You can go home in the evenings and probably just enjoy your family and your personal <laughs> life because you don't have to worry as much about every day and the drama and everything else that will happen. I've actually found, I think it makes it easier to explain or for even people to understand without explaining why you do some of the what might seem crazy decisions that you make that without the context of that transparency would seem crazy. But when you do have the context of the transparency, like, you know, how much does this tool cost? Somebody might look at that and be like, this, it's just this little tool. Like, why can't I have it? And then you see the price tag and, and somebody's thinking, oh my gosh, well, it, it's not worth that. It doesn't save me that much time. Like that, just that little bit of information or, 
you know, this came up in a meeting that Tyler and I were in today because we have been so transparent with our company goals. I have a pretty big goal that I'm working on. That's one of the most highest priority goals for the company. And I came to the group and said, okay, I need to free up some time on my calendar. I would like to make a lot of my standing meetings kind of optional is not the right word, but if something else comes up that I have to go to, I'm going to prioritize that over these standing meetings. And had we not been transparent about what that goal is, the group in the meeting might've looked at me and said, how dare you prioritize something above us? <laughs> but when everybody's on the same page and, and they've all bought into this thing that you are accountable for is the most important thing for us to do. Of course, like we don't want to see you go do what you need to do. Yeah, it just makes the, it easier. It's one of the coolest things about EOS when you truly know the highest priority things you need to work on. I mean, there's plenty of times throughout the week, you know, in between meetings when I get some time and, you know, take a breath. Um, and I know exactly what I need to be working on. You know, I, I, where am I on this goal? I know I need to get here in 90 days to keep the business moving forward the way that it does. Um, and just, you know, when you're busy and wearing a lot of hats, it's really hard to know what to work on. And EOS really makes mm -hmm. that easy. Um, I know I'm oversimplifying, you know, what it takes to create these rocks and things like that. But, but once you have them, you truly are in a better place because you're working on the most important things that are going to help your business the most over time. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, and I think um, just to kind of put a put a pin on it, I think people are s smarter than some of these some of these leaders would give them credit for for the ones who aren't necessarily being transparent. If you're spinning something in a completely different way to try to convince people to do their job, first off, you shouldn't have to ha convince anybody to do their job, right? If, if you have the right people, there's like you say, it innovative people. People are happy to work hard. But also, if, if they can tell that you're not quite being 100% honest with them, most people can see right through that. And that's that's already, I mean, that's a huge issue in itself. So, I mean, transparency is the way to go. But on the other end of it, like, this stuff does take time. Nobody's nobody's waking up and they're like, my business is perfect. <laughs> I'm doing everything great. It's it's taking time. And I think it was, uh, I think we had Jason on and, and he basically said EOS um, is not something that's ever fully implemented. It's we're constantly getting into certain aspects of it. Uh, there, you know, we might we might fall off certain areas and have to work work back toward them. Um, it's just a constant effort to to keep up with EOS and keep it implemented and make sure we're keeping our goals straight and and all that good stuff. So, yeah, I mean, that's it's it's all. I, it blows my mind every podcast we do where everything we say, it's like, is this too obvious? Like, it's like, do we just kind of sound silly? But man, when you really look at it, there's there's a lot of people who probably could benefit from it. And that's not to look down on them or say they're doing their a bad job. It's like, this stuff is hard. And you should probably take some steps to make it a little easier for yourself. And I know taking the steps, not the easiest thing in the world, but definitely worth it at the end of the day. So yeah, um, as we've gone through EOS ourselves, we've seen other customers start to ask us, you know, be curious about why are we doing things in certain ways. And I, I want to say one or two of our customers are actually mm -hmm. going through it now once they understood it better from our perspective. And, you know, I, that's awesome. It, it, anything we can do to help a customer run their business better and ultimately get more out of it uh, just makes me really happy to know that we're helping them get to a better place. Yep. And that's that's the strategy, the innovative strategy. That's all. We're more than just IT. We're business partners. So. Yep. I think we can. I think we can leave it at that. This has been great. 
you, you had no reason to be nervous, Tyler. I, <laughs> I can assure you. I hope I hope you got some enjoyment out of this as much as we did because these conversations are um, just so like infinitely interesting and also kind of fun. Uh, and hopefully you, the audience, enjoy it. And you will join us again next time. Another episode, another special guest. We'll see who it is. You'll have to tune in to find out. <laughs> uh, for, for Tyler Snyder and Stephanie Hurd, I'm Ryan Stickle. We'll talk to you next time.